I'm Dan Clark, and this is I Am Teacher. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of I Am Teacher. We've got some advertisers that are now supporting this podcast. The first one comes from, like I said previously, this is episode 6 of I Am Teacher. Today I'm talking with Jen Kaler, a high school special education teacher here in St. Peter, Minnesota. We talk about her journey in education, we also talk about mental health, and all the things that teachers maybe should take into account when dealing with any teenage students. This is one of my favorite conversations I've had so far for this podcast. Hopefully you enjoy our conversation just as much as I did. So, here it is, episode six, Jen Kaler, I Am Teacher. They say you like evaporate. I don't want to say a gallon of water. No, I can't be right. You evaporate a lot of water at night just from breathing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and all of it. Yeah. I mean, wrestlers. I think you lose like two pounds just from sleeping. That's what I know. That's a thing. I know because you fluctuate so much. I mean, you you know just that's why you could weigh different amounts every day. Yeah. It's good not to, I'm going to put myself on airplane mode, so I don't uh, Did you distract. put this up? Yeah, I put the foam up, covered the speaker. Do you feel like it helps? Yeah, definitely. This thing, that covering the speaker probably helps the most, because there's a constant hum, mm-hmm. if you didn't notice it in your classroom. But this is just, I don't know if this works or not, but people, the table bounces sound waves off of it. Mm-hmm. So now I think of people as basically like sound wave emitters and mm-hmm. all the ways that it bounces. It's a weird way to think of it, mm-hmm. but now like when I'm at home and my son is trying to fall asleep, I'll think about, is this going to bounce up to his room? Yeah. Do you, does he have any white noise? Do you guys have? Yeah, we use a sound, like a music machine. See, we do just like a purifier, I guess. And I thought, like, I'm like, oh, so are we just going to screw him over so that he only can fall asleep with that? But fortunately, he's just a log, so he can sleep. Because, like, when they have, he has a babysitter, they just put him in his room and leave the door open. They don't do anything. And he falls asleep. So. Yeah, so it's by using the noise, you think it ruins, like, they if it's too quiet. Yeah, they then won't. they won't be able to sleep. Like, if for somewhere we don't have that. Can he fall asleep? But it it hasn't affected him. But I just I mean it drowns out so much noise, especially when dogs bark or people come to the door or you drop something. <laughs> it's so crazy how mm-hmm. everything makes mm-hmm. a noise, and every time you make that noise, mm-hmm. or you just want to go like strangle somebody, or oh my know, god, when he was I'm gonna go kill a dog oh, right now. Seriously. 
But then, but then they just then now he's used to it. He sleeps through like crazy dog barking, just crazy, and he won't even budge. And is there a moment where you, where the both of you, just kind of look at each other? Like, is he and Chris, go? like, yeah. in silence, Wait. stare. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's either, Mom. And then someone's just like, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the joys of oh, yes. parenting. Oh, yes. It's so much easier now. Oh, my God. When he was a baby, we were, oh, we were, because it's so much more of a thing to get babies to go to sleep. Maybe it is for other people, but, like, he just, he falls asleep like that. The second he stopped taking naps, game over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Mateo will not nap. He'll be sitting, eating, know, and he'll just, be like pass out. I know. And just I know. be like right. dozing I'm, off midway through a spoonful of something mm-hmm. and just gone. I know. Well, and then it's like all of a sudden you're like, all right, we just don't need naps anymore. It's a great. It's the great. Naps are so good though. They are. Yes, but there's it's like this is a sweet spot because there's times when they need naps. You can't take them away. But then all of a sudden it was like. Kind of preschool. That was just really when the naps just faded. Until three, four-ish. But at that point, they can do a lot of stuff by themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not constantly Mm -hmm. hovering near Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. to make sure they're not... Hitting themselves. Or like dropping something Mm -hmm. on their head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Now our biggest worry is like... Can we go back inside if he's outside playing with the neighbors? Like, how long can you let him kind of just be and then not be like... Because we have people that literally just... Their kids are outside. They don't come outside to check on them at all. And then there's Chris where we're like, every five minutes, like, in and out. Or we're just out, you know? That's our next thing is, like, how much freedom do we give him? Yeah, because it's a weird Because, like, they know balance. stuff, but they don't. You know? Yeah, and you don't want like if something bad were to happen, mm-hmm. you just don't want like you just don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. I've heard it mm-hmm. described as it's like having your heart oh, outside yeah. of your body, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way I interpret it is like if your physical heart mm-hmm. were just walking around, mm-hmm. it is, and it you just totally don't is. want like mm-hmm. anything because you know that if one wrong mm-hmm. move and there it goes. Yeah. We just recently had a horrible, tragic event happen to my cousin, and her son was four, and he was um, swinging on the swing set. And the beam that goes across that the swings were on, he was swinging, and it fell down and just crushed him. And killed him? Mm-hmm. Oh. It was It was, like, the closest that I've ever been to a family member, a story, and, like, personalizing it because my son was the same age. Like it was, it was, it was horrifying. And then, yeah. So like, so you like, and just the feeling of like, when I first found out the news and you personalize it so much, like you can't, you, you, and my degree of pain was nothing compared to my cousins, obviously. But like you had an ounce of that understanding of that pain that, the, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause it is, it's like they, so then what you're saying, it's like they ripped that out. Like it was, yeah. it was horrifying. It was awful. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, it is. That's exactly what it feels like. It is just this little most important thing to you ever. And those things happen. That's why That's why it's mm-hmm. just so much more. That's why you just want to not. Like, you couldn't forgive yourself if no. you weren't there. And, and, that's, and it was an accident. And that's the worst part is that it was. There's nothing that you could have done to stop it. 
that you know that you would think to do, you know what I mean like they built that swing set to the best that they could they they thought it was good you know? oh god and I they know. put it together mm-hmm. oh man mm-hmm. that would be double layer it was yeah and those I always think about freak accidents mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is weird mm-hmm. to think about I know but yeah the so life of know. a parent I know you think about so many more of those things now yeah. It's nuts. But there's good stuff. So, so just enjoy everything oh, up yeah. to the freak out. And that's what my friend or my cousin said. She's just like, you know what, we and she's been amazing, but she's like, I can either I can either be sad and and only think about that or think about that we had four unbelievable years and that, you know, why would I waste those four unbelievable years getting stuck in this one five second event? Yeah. And the fact that she can do that is amazing because I feel like I'd be holed up somewhere in that function. Well, for a f- good length of time, mm-hmm. I think that would be mm-hmm. a, like almost, I don't know, necessary mm-hmm. to have happen mm-hmm. just to process kind of, yeah. it. But you can't, can't. You can't. It comes down to a choice you got to make. Like, yeah. Am I going to live or am I going to, I don't know. And it's like, I'm sure it's a constant. I mean, it's any anyone who loses mm-hmm. anybody, they go through mm-hmm. that. I just heard someone talk about it on a po- different podcast about grief. Mm-hmm. And he explained that it was just like your body just taking over and just letting it mm-hmm. all out. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. why, yeah, I mean, that you... If you do that, then, like, you kind of let it, you know, versus keeping it in, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the, he was saying, like, your body won't let you keep it in. It will mm-hmm. find us, like, once you're in a, he said it happened, his dad died, and he was, he thought he was okay. And he's like, I'm dealing with this all right. But then he, he came back to his, he came back home from where his dad was, and after he took care of the burial and everything, and then... When his body realized or his mind realized that he was like in a safer spot and his he had some time, his body was like, okay, let's hit the switch. Time to feel it. Mm-hmm. And he said he just bawled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just like, yeah, was nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it was like guttural. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, really uplifting stuff. <laughs> To start this out. Yeah, so yeah, I've, right. I've been recording the whole time. Oh, perfect. And that's just the best way to, I don't know, kind of smoothly transition into it. Yeah. And I've, I've found out a few things about talking with people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's best to just talk with them. Mm-hmm. And if you get onto a topic, you just, you know, mm-hmm. go off on that topic. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, is this is it awkward to have a microphone in here mm-hmm. for you? No, because that's kind of what I expected. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. some people maybe are just more able to talk normally. Oh, no. So some people will, like, see that, and then they'll be like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I get how that could be, but no, I don't mind. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So welcome. Thank you. Jen Kaler. Yes. Um. Episode... Uh, this is going to be episode six, I think you are. Okay. Um, and yeah, if you haven't listened at all, what we talk about on here is why you became a teacher mm-hmm. and everything connected mm-hmm. to teaching mm-hmm. and other random topics that come up. Come up, yeah. So I love it. What uh, What year are you at being a teacher? Oh, so my first actual full year of teaching was. 2006. 
So I started in Shakopee, and I taught, nope, no, nope, I lied, 2000, oh, goodness. I was graduating high school I know you that were, year. because you're a pup. Um, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember now if it was 2000, I think, two th- yeah, 2006 I started in Shakopee, worked there for two years, and then um, I got, like, my dream job, which at the time, it was my dream job. Um, so being in special education, it's there's a whole array of jobs you can have. Mm-hmm. You can have very, you know, kind of your mainstream school where you um, work in a resource room where it's kind of a lot of organizational kind of help and in the classroom help where it's more, you know, working with students with learning disabilities and things like that. Or you can go on total other end of the spectrum where it's much more behavior-based and, and it can be from kind of doing the same thing in the mainstream school but with behavior to, like, fully, totally different setting. And my dream job was a fully, totally different setting. And so that's where I, I then went from Shakopee to Mankato to work in their day treatment facility, which just basically combines the mental health component with... Um, counselors and therapists and the schooling component. Um, I thought it was going to be exactly what I wanted, but I ended up just doing the schooling component because that's kind of, I was the special ed teacher versus, and then the mental health component was left to the mental health professionals. And so I didn't get to do the mental health stuff that I wanted to do. Did you want to do that stuff? I wanted to do that stuff. And I thought that I could by being in that setting, but it kind of was the opposite. Yeah. So that's when I then started hounding Dr. Peterson, saying, hey, anytime you have a job in the district, I want it. And that happened for about a year or so, and then I um, got into the district, and it was kind of a crazy start. I was half-time at South Elementary and half-time up here at the high school. <laughs> wow, that's quite a different clientele. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was such a mind. Like, I got into my car after leaving South in the morning, and I was like, high school mode. You know, I just told, I mean, everything's different. Yeah, did you ever, I mean, did you ever catch yourself, (laughs) probably not, but catch yourself dealing with a high school student the way you would deal with a I was the opposite. Child. Yeah, so I or the other way around. Yeah. You told the little kid like, kind you of. need to really get a hold of yourself yes, right now. Yes. Or I like I put objectives up on the board, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> we can't read. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, it was great. I'm thankful now, being a parent, that I got time at South because I know what happens there, and I'm like, just excited that my son goes there because they're it's elementary schools are like magic places. Yeah. Why? Like, What's so magical about them? They, they, what happens there and the amount of organization that they have to have, there's no like, hey kids, I'm going to run to the bathroom, I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, it's like every minute is scheduled and they're so happy and they're so caring and kids walk down the hall and four people say, hey, do you know where you're going? What, you know, whatever. But yet they have some freedom. I don't know. It's just a well-oiled machine. So I'm glad I had the chance to be there. Yeah. Little kids are pretty magical mm-hmm. in themselves mm-hmm. and what they can do and that they're they just pick up on routines and they remember it I mean my son tells me sings so many songs and like recaps everything that they do and it's amazing all that they're taking in even at that age so yeah it's fun to watch someone like it's fun to watch your child go through mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. you went through mm-hmm. that and everybody who's an adult now mm-hmm. went through that. And mm-hmm. when you have a kid, you finally see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've realized that 
my parents probably see me as the person that went through that entire mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think they look at you, at least when you're younger or in high school or a teenager, you think that your parents look at you as you see yourself. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. no, they see the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll remember what my son was like in this period and everything that he was before that oh, yeah. and like what he's going into. Yeah. And it's just a different perspective on people mm-hmm. in general. It is. It totally is. But it's fun to then think about what they might be thinking in that moment. And then you can kind of remember, what was I doing when I was five? What was I thinking about when I was five? And then it helps you like realize like where they're at, you know? So it's good to kind of have, I love having the all-encompassing parent view, but it's, I think it's good to kind of remember what it was like. Yeah. No, I, not that I remember a lot about being five, but you just, (laughs) you remember the, the innocence and like just the pure joy of like, you wake up and what am I going to do today? You know, what is going to happen? Am I going to play? Am I going to, you know, that's what I I enjoy. I I mean, even with high schoolers, I try to remember and I, it's easier because I'm somewhat closer Mm -hmm. to that. But Mm -hmm. do you think teachers forget those things when they're when they become teachers for so long i do i think because it it becomes it's i think it it's probably i think they do forget and i think that you get so used to having your routine and getting out what you need to get out that you forget that there's people taking that in and how are they taking it in and i think if you can remember that yes they're here for six hours of the day but there's so many other things that they're yeah. thinking about and going on and that this is really a small part of their day. Yeah. Um, but also just like all of the things that they're learning right now and they're figuring out like that, I think just keeping in the back of your mind as you're teaching is huge. And as I teach U.S. history, I realize or I know from being a high school student that I'm, they're going to forget mm-hmm. most of the factual things mm-hmm. I'm telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to let I mean, that's the truth, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff... What's the whole, how am I going to use this when I'm older yeah, question? Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff I learned in those classes, like, you know, science classes, I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. But I use that to maybe focus on other things like skills mm-hmm. in those classes. Oh, yeah. Um, but I feel like some teachers really do think they're going to remember these factual pieces forever. Yeah, and I tell them the only way you're going to use this is if you become a teacher, you know, and otherwise it it is. It's about the thinking. It's about the problem solving. It's about the interactions with each other, you know, and it's about, like, learning to follow rules and do what you're asked to be doing, you know, and I think that that's the skills that I try to remind them that this is why they're doing it, you know, because, no, you're not going to probably use a periodic table unless you're in the science field. You know. Or yeah, or on Jeopardy, or right. <laughs> right. Yes. I, that'd be great if I could see a student on Jeopardy. <laughs> that would be. Um, so what is your is that is that I mean, that's probably not your general philosophy for uh, special ed. But what is your philosophy or how you approach things? Is it just remember what it's like to be a teenager? And I just think it's it's remember there's like there's so many things that are bigger than school. School is huge and it's so important and I value education to the nth degree. 
but I think if you can remember that that there's so many other things too and, I, and the population that I work with you know being that they're more of like it's there's a lot of mental health issues there's a lot of you know behavior and, and issues at home and all that kind of stuff I always have to remember that why are they not wanting to do this work kids want to do kids want to please it's just in general. That's what they want to do, and I firmly believe that. And so if they can't or they're not, there's a reason for it. And sometimes is it really bad habits? Yes. But a lot of times it's because there's something that is keeping them from doing it, whether it be things at home, whether it be a relationship that they have, a, a neglect of some sort. And I think that as far as the philosophy goes, I want to, I believe every kid can learn. And But I think that how you go about it has to be done in a different way sometimes um and also just like being able to say to the kids i know that there's other things going on i know that you have a whole world happening but it's also important to be learning this right now so how do we learn to kind of have school i tell my students all the time how can we have school kind of be this safe place where all that other stuff can kind of not come in these walls and just allow yourself that break from all of that and that way you can start to learn you know yeah, no, I found myself, like, I know that it's so hard to do that, like, mm-hmm. even for teachers. Oh, gosh. Or, I, you know, yes. you just can't. It's hard to just shut it off. Or, try, like, to have a, yeah, you can't just walk into that classroom without the rest of the world affecting you. Yeah. Um, and I, tr- I try not to let that happen, mm-hmm. but I know it probably does. And I, mm-hmm. I'll call myself on it mm-hmm. in front of my kids or my students. I'll say, like, I'm kinda, I am kind of grumpy today. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a kid will come at me with some sort of attitude, I'll just, I won't say, I'll, I'll basically tell them, you know, I didn't, I, I know you're mad, but I didn't, I didn't do that to you. Mm-hmm. So just, if you could be nice to me, mm-hmm. that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and agree. do you think that's effective or? I think getting, having them take that second to have an awareness that, Hey, I'm not the one that is making you mad right now. You know, I think that that is just that comment is a little bit different than probably what a lot of teachers say. And so I think it'll catch them off guard and it's probably helpful. Right. The, I mean, I'm thinking of like stereotypical old school teachers would probably just mm-hmm. come at them with a full oh, head of steam. Sure. For sure. And it, that's why just having that awareness in the back of your mind. I, you know, I, I have this student right now that is, it's so hard. He literally probably hasn't done anything in the last two weeks. And I know it's because his grandma's terminally ill and he, grandma was his main caregiver. So like, how do you battle that? You know, like, how do you just turn that off when that's constantly in the back of his mind and nothing that we're doing at school right now matters? Cause why would it? His grandma's, you know. Yeah. Well, shouldn't there be a, for just teachers and students in general, shouldn't there be this option of when something is going awry can't you just have a a, like a time period of dealing with that and then not having that time period taken into account for in school because you know let's say something does go terribly wrong Mm -hmm. with a family member you have to deal with that Mm -hmm. let's say it was an important close Mm -hmm. family member and Mm -hmm. it just you know wrecks you you wouldn't expect yourself to get through normal tasks mm-hmm. if your close loved ones died. I know. I know. But when it happens to students, we just, we get a slip of paper. And we're like, oh, you got to do this, this, mm-hmm. and this. Mm-hmm. I know. And then at the same time, I mean, you know, a death in the family is obviously an extreme. Um, but at the same time, like, we also have to teach them that 
you do have to keep functioning sometime though because when right. you, like the same with you said you have stuff that happens outside of school but you have to go to work you have to put your face on you know and so i think obviously there's extreme cases and i i i would love to have that ability to say okay this kid is going through this they're going to kind of take a break right and it's not like a it's just like with anything, yeah. it's just moder- a moderate mm-hmm. version of a mm-hmm. break. Right. Or in, exactly. you just want to give them a year off, right? but you don't right. want to just throw them back into the mm-hmm. fire mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to give them a, a short breather. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I, I think that a lot of teachers, I think, are willing to, you know, they're very compassionate. And they're like, you know, I'm really sorry that happened. You have, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I give you an extra week to get things done or whatever. And I think that there are a lot, there's compassion there. But it's hard when it's that thing that's out there that, you know, it's that they know a family member is terminally ill and it could be happening. And all of those unknowns, and for so many kids, there's so many unknowns of, you know, where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to eat? How is my parents going to react to me? And I think that um, being in the special education, I think it happens across all kids, but I think being in the special education field, it just happens more often um, that they have those, those outside barriers that keep them. And what, what do you think general education teachers should know or should try to exercise when dealing with situations like that, coming from someone who sees it more frequently than they do? But those, those students are still in their classroom. Mm-hmm. So what, what is like a piece of advice for them or something they could do or just be aware of or brush up on when it comes to that stuff? Because I feel like some people probably aren't as up on that. Maybe they're up on their content area and they know their stuff, but they don't know how to deal with teenagers. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I get to co-teach with some of my peers, and I know, like, the sheer number of kids that are in classes is mind-blowing. Like, 32, 34 kids in a class is crazy. And you can't get to know kids the same way. You just can't with that size of number. But I think that, you know, you teachers, if you take a second you can recognize when kids are going through a hard time and I think that a simple I mean it means so much to kids when mainstream teachers talk to them on a personal level it, it's like it's like they're kind of like a, a a star figure right like okay out of all these kids you're taking a second to ask me how I am like that's a really big deal and I think that you know if if teachers just I don't know if they just make a goal for themselves. Okay, I'm going to pick five kids this week and I'm just going to say, hey, you know, will you stay after class for a second? And you just say, hey, how's it going? Like literally that one statement, if they say I'm fine, okay, well, if you ever need anything, I'm here or I care about you. But most of the time, the, the kids will probably just like vomit everything out, you know, and that will mean so much. Not that mainstream teachers have the time to really follow up much about it, but they could say, you know what, I'm really sorry that's going on. Do you feel like you have enough support here at school? And just having that conversation, you know, just letting the kid know that you're here and I see you, I think would be huge. Because it's not, it's not a mainstream teacher's job to fix them, you know, no. or even to know what to do per se, but just listening and letting them know that they care, I think you're going to get way more effort out of kids sometimes. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes I feel like a professional development session for all teachers, a good one would be how to interact with a teenager. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we were we were taught that maybe and we've experienced mm-hmm. it, but some teachers and myself included 
I mean, I do. I try to connect in some sort of mm-hmm. like making cheesy jokes mm-hmm. and making them think I'm ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of teachers would benefit from how to talk to a teenager because mm-hmm. it's not the same as talking mm-hmm. to uh, you know a, a fellow adult. Mm-hmm. Um, when I remember one time, you know, you had you just made a comment about one of my students' pictures, and that meant the world to them. It literally was just, hey, that's a cool picture, or that's really good. And they still talk about it. So it's like just finding that personal one thing to just, not like pick them out of a crowd, but just notice them out of a crowd. And I think that that makes all the difference. Do you think that some, maybe it's because some teachers, they don't view themselves as, what, um, helpful, what, psychological Mm -hmm. developers or Mm -hmm. something like that? They think of themselves as just content Mm -hmm. deliverers, Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily think of themselves as character developers? I think so. I think that there's a lot of being overwhelmed. There's so many kids. There's so much There's so much expectation that they get through content. And it's it easily can be done. I mean, you're just you're so focused because you have these goals, you have these targets you need to do, and you need to get this out. And there's kids that are going really fast. There's kids that are going really slow. And, like, there's just all these other things to occupy your mind. And I think that you don't. There may just not be that awareness all the time. And I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. I just think that what I ha- what I see so much is when I'm co-teaching is like the kids just stare at you for 45 or 90 minutes, and so they're paying so much attention to you, and so they become like, like they they feel like they know you. It would just mean a lot for you to then kind of notice them, you know. And I think it means way more coming from mainstream teachers because I think they feel more special because there's so many other kids. Right. And I've, I found a book on the free book cart mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when, when we made the move to this new high school. It was How to Talk to Your Teenager. Mm-hmm. I picked it up and mm-hmm. I grabbed that sucker. Yeah. And I feel like that's yeah. something that every every teacher should it's read and yep. know how to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um hmm because yeah, I've ex- that's how I've experienced. I think most of my success is mm-hmm. just making a connection with kids. Yeah, and it can be so simple. And it's fun. It makes yeah. it the day way more fun, and mm-hmm. every lesson more personal, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. or makes every lesson more personal. And mm-hmm. it's great. I've I think it's made my job more enjoyable to just know what's up with kids and yeah. how to what jokes certain kids mm-hmm. find funny and mm-hmm. which ones cringe mm-hmm. and then you you kind of play to those strengths absolutely. or whatever yeah. you play to your audience yeah you absolutely know? i agree i totally agree yeah so what so what what about this mess of teaching drew you in was it to do all of these things I suppose that we're talking about? So um, I started off, I got my undergrad in corrections and I was going to go into probation. Oh, I thought you were going to be prison guard. No, I couldn't Kaler. do that. I'm not tough enough for that. But um, one, do probation because I just, I knew that I wanted to work with a population of, of kids that needed help, I guess. Um, and <laughs> I failed my like 101 class as a freshman in college. So I knew I probably should have been <laughs> psychology. But um, so I... That's kind of what I graduated in, and then I, I realized that 
So I did a student internship, and I, well, I had an undergrad grad um, in, uh, like, Outward Bound, it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fizzled away now, unfortunately. That still, still exists, is isn't it? it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's just not as much programming because of budget cuts and stuff like that. But So I got my undergrad grad in um, experiential ed, is what it was called, but all of the Outward Bound stuff. So I did an internship at St. Greg Girls Camp, which was this unbelievable facility where kids were court-ordered to be there for three months. And... Um, they went to school there, they lived there, and then, but they had some, they had either a canoe trip or a backpacking trip Ooh. that they had to go on. And um, Yeah, and so the big trip was a, a three-week trip up in Canada, and I was so angry that I missed that rotation because I didn't get to go on that. But I took, we took our kids on a 12-day canoe trip down the Kettle River. Um, so they build up all these three months, they build up the skills, not only like the emotional skills to handle themselves, but also all of like the survival skills and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I wanted my career to go. But then unfortunately there just wasn't, there weren't jobs in that field at that time. Um, and so then I got into, um, I realized that with probation, um, your hours are so crazy. Like you're, you're on call, it's overnights, it's weekends. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that either. Um, so then I worked at a counseling center and I did what was called, it was a mental health practitioner. So basically there's a therapist that writes treatment plans for the people they work with. And then the mental health practitioners kind of follow up and work on the goals. So I went into people's homes and met with kids and we worked on these goals that was crazy eye-opening, just going into people's homes. You see them in a totally different environment. And just what they have. What, what they have. And what they're dealing they don't with. Have. Yeah. And um, the places I, I went into, I mean, it was it was very, very eye-opening. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, and then I met someone that worked at this day treatment facility that I spoke of before. Um, and so I was a paraprofessional there. And it was great. And then she's like, you know what? You should just go back and get your special ed degree because then you can do this at the teaching level. And I'm like, well, that sounds great because I get to work with the same, you know, kids that I want to work with. Plus, I have school teacher hours, so um, that's what I did. So I went back and to MSU and did that. Um, and then that's kind of how I got into the special ed field because it's it's really, I mean, the population of kids is very similar. And like, you and you just want to help that's all I, people. I yep I just I feel like I sometimes you know I think I think some of the best people to be in positions working with people are those that have similar experiences you, you think about like drug counselors the, I don't know you can be a wonderful one and not have had struggled with addiction but I feel like you understand it the most those that struggled with addiction that can kind of tell people what they did um, and I was a very fortunate child I didn't have struggles like a lot of kids do but my mindset is like I had it so great so I I want to give back because I had it so great and so that's kind of where my desire to help comes from is like you've been given all these opportunities you had such a great life now you get to give back right so I know it sounds cheesy and hallmarkish but that's That's exactly how I that's a noble way to go about it yeah so that's just and so I'm just like you know what I have I just have so much so much love to give, I guess, because I got I had a lot. So and when you and when you went on that river trip mm-hmm. with those girls, Ugh, what uh, did it, so did it did that work? Was that a successful way of rehabilitating young girls that are troubled, or what did you find out about that that method? 
I think if it could have been longer and there could have been more of a follow-up, yes. I think um, these, now these kids that I worked with, these were like, and it's, again, it sounds cliche, but they were hardcore gangster kids, like hardcore. And I remember the first night we were, it was storming outside. And these, I mean, these girls were, they were from the streets and they, I can't even imagine what they've seen. And that night of the storm, they all were huddled together in my tent, scared out of their minds. And I'm like, you guys, it's just, a, and they were, they were so scared, but it was just a totally different fear, right? Um, and they're like, I remember them saying, I'll take being out on the streets any day more than this. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, that was a huge learning experience for them, just learning different fears and um, me seeing that. And I think some of the hardest stuff was getting through the, the hard things because they so often just wouldn't give up, but you can't when you're out there because if you give up, you don't eat, you don't have shelter, you know, and things like that. So I remember the thing I remember the most is we were portaging. We had a mile long portage. Mm, that's a long one. It was. And we had all of our gear on. We had our bug nets over our head. And, um, but we had lost gloves for some reason. And this one girl was just, she just refused to keep walking. And I'm like, I can't go anywhere because I can't do this canoe by myself. So like, if you're sitting, I'm sitting. And we sat there for over an hour and the bugs were so, it was like, if there was a hell, this is what it would have been. It was constant buzzing and heat and filth. <laughs> it was awful. And she just broke down and um, like you, you actually saw what they told you was going to happen, happen. Like they go through this whole process of like refusal, anger, sadness, can't do it, can't do it. You have to do it. We can't not do it to, okay, I'm going to do it. And then you get up and you go. And the whole time though, there was these so many mosquitoes. And I just remember <laughs> holding the canoe and like, they were like my hand, like I can still see it. My hands were just, it was full mosquitoes and like, but we had to just keep going and but she got through it, and it was it was amazing to watch it. Um. <laughs> you can imagine, like, could you speed the anger part up and the <laughs> sad part? Can you get to the part where you're going to pick it up? I know <laughs> it's going to happen, so just can we just skip, it's gonna happen, skip a few it. steps. You're going to get mad, you're going to cry, You'll get and over then it. we're going to get up. So get up. <laughs> Don't go. But I was just <laughs> sitting there, and I just remember thinking, like... I'm going to die here. I, I'm going <laughs> to die. This is what hell is like. And, but like, she's got to get through it. You, you can do it. You can do it. You got to let her get through it. And, oh, I can still hear the bugs. Oh, the, it was awful. But we did it and she did it. And it was, it was wonderful. And I really, I personally feel like we are at a loss that the budgets got cut for that kind of stuff because it's life changing for kids. Just putting them in an environment where they're the only one that can control their outcome. Yeah. I totally agree. I took mm -hmm. those kids to the mm -hmm. boundary waters and, mm -hmm. Man, that I thought was super powerful. Mm -hmm. And just even for myself, because I yeah. had to do some difficult portages. Mm -hmm. But once I got through them, I looked back and I was like, wow. You did that. that. Was, um, you did that. And I know. You, <laughs> in the middle of that, I didn't think you're, I was going to do that. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I wish maybe it's just because there just hasn't been enough people that have experienced that. I think there, yeah, I, I don't know. And because I, if they were, they'd. You know, people, if people were in power that had those experiences, mm -hmm. you can bet they would be willing to yeah. fund that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I just, I wish that they, they were still, there's more availability to do that kind of stuff, but 
Yeah. I just think it's so they just they learn so much. But and do, what was the was there data on the recidivism? Rate? Rate? Um, it's so hard because once they, I mean. I don't know. I'm sure there was. It's it's so hard to, because in the ideal situation, you you know you take them out of the bad environment, you build up their skills, you let them practice it, but then there should be this part after, right? Where like it's slowly integrating them back, or having while they're gone, having worked on all the skills of the people that they're going back to, right? But they're just plunked back down in there. Maybe there's some follow up, but nothing's done with the environment that they're going back to. It's just them. So no matter how many skills you've learned, if you're put back in that environment where to be unsuccess- unsuccessful, it's hard to keep going. That's the, the final that's the final test of the hero's journey mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. you do you build up all the skills, you like yep. go and you get the you defeat the dragon, you mm-hmm. go to the trip, you mm-hmm. survive it. Yep. But then the final test to actually prove that you've become the hero mm-hmm. is like the one you get put you go back to the to the home mm-hmm. or you go back to the, the starting point. Mm-hmm. And there's one last, like, challenge or obstacle yeah. or, like, something that previously would have... Knocked you down. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you think it just, it often, that last challenge was just, it did not come back down? Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that's the sad part. Um, and, and again, it, it just comes down to, you know, lack of education for the people that they're returning to. And also being a kid, you are powerless in a lot of situations you know you can't control so much of your environment if they could they'd probably move out and they'd probably start to get a job but they can't because they they are a kid and they need to live with their parents or whatever Uh, yeah it seems very maybe unethical to do this but i've thought how beneficial it would be to just get kids out of bad situations and put into good ones mm-hmm. it'd be the, amazing what would happen and even even or even just focusing on on the home life and educating parents or teaching parents skills or in that because i don't know it is it i you there's not a day that goes by that i don't wish i could just take them home right <laughs> I, I see kids in those situations and i, I often think wow i wish i had a situation where i could mm-hmm have them here and we could be having a meal together mm-hmm. and yeah. but it's just not it's not realistic it's not, it's not and it's yeah i agree it's worse when you i mean not that you don't wish that with high school kids but at least high school kids somewhat have more of the survival skills but i tell you what working at that elementary level it was heartbreaking because they're they are just so little and to be going home to the environments that sometimes they did it was heart-wrenching yeah, and, but most people that aren't in the education world, I don't think they realize mm-hmm. that those situations exist on a large mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it is. It's and you're just you're yeah you're in it and you see it and um, there's a lot of wonderful families, so wonderful and so many. There's a lot of kids that have it great here, but there is a big chunk of kids that maybe in not in not even in special ed, but just are coping and are surviving, but they're surviving a lot. Yeah, I thought it'd be great if uh, you bring back Psych 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be great if, you know, they have those classes at hospitals for new mm-hmm. parents, but mm-hmm. they only have the classes for, like, the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They don't have classes for raising mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one of the hardest parts. Everything else is more medical, you know? And, and, but like the, once they're born, there's, oh, there's, there's, it's a huge responsibility. And that's what I don't, I don't know if people don't care or they don't realize the impact they're having. I mean, and it even comes to the forefront of your mind be once you are a parent, but it's just like literally everything you're saying that they are listening. <laughs> they are. And I think they stop listening once they get older. But right now when they're younger up until I, I don't even know, like they literally listen to every word you're saying. Like that's how big of an impact you're making. And like they talk about how your parents become your inner voice. It's so true. It's so true because as you, as now, as I'm a parent, I say the things that my parents said. So that's that dialogue that's running that they taught you, you know? And so that just makes me even more freaked out raising a kid. Like, oh my God, everything I say. But it, it is. And so if you imagine the kids whose parents, that dialogue is, is mean or hurtful or, you know, condescending and all those things that that's their inner voice and that's what they're telling themselves you know yeah and they know like they've done psychological studies and there's things out there that that they know works and you should do Mm -hmm. for children Mm -hmm. so i don't understand why we wouldn't want to make that information as available as Mm -hmm. possible Mm -hmm. to new parents Mm -hmm. it's it's unbelievable to me because even things that I've stumbled upon or mm-hmm. watched videos mm-hmm. on as I'm raising a child with mm-hmm. my wife, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, i trying to think of one. Um, what's a good study that I found about babies? Basically, so here's one. The I didn't know how important physical touch is. Mm-hmm for children. Mm-hmm. Did you know that if you don't if you don't touch a baby for I feel like it's first 6 months, it's likely to die. Mm. If a baby is not touched. Mm. Yeah. And they found that out because there was some like orphanage in mm-hmm. Romania mm-hmm. where this terrible tragedy happened where a bunch of kids were left parentless and they had to go to these orphanages mm-hmm. and they just gave them bottles and mm-hmm. didn't like didn't mm-hmm. hug them and touch them mm-hmm. and they all died. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't be- and that's they couldn't figure out why yeah. and it was because of lack of touch. Lack of mm-hmm. touch. Yeah. And it's stuff like that mm-hmm. that you need to tell people mm-hmm. so that they right. hug their yeah. kids or yes. they touch them, you know, they a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It and I don't and I I don't know. And that kind of brings it to like is that something that the education field should be taking? I mean, is early childhood, maybe that's what they do, and maybe they do do some of that with the schooling stuff that they do at that age level. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd like to think, my, in my perfect utopia, mm-hmm. or Mr. or Dan Clark world, mm-hmm. I feel like if you are a, a decent teacher, mm-hmm. you can pretty much teach anything. Mm-hmm. And so... I think you take decent teachers and you let them teach all those things mm-hmm. and you, you know, make adult classes mm-hmm. available. I mean, yeah. if you make it required, it sounds like you're running, you know, yeah. communist mm-hmm. Soviet Union, mm-hmm. but you got to get that information out yeah. there. Yeah. And it's just not, a, I don't think it's as readily available. People say, well, it's all in books. Why don't you go read it? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe what if those parents can't read or yeah. don't know how to get a book? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. people don't. Mm-hmm. 
And Absolutely. If, if they had to go to those classes or if they, you know, had to learn about what their kid was going to be like and how they should address them and how they should deal with their tantrums. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, there's like, there's psychological proof or so there's, there's psychological studies on dealing with oh, yeah. kids who have tantrums. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you see, I, I mean, the, the best way to deal with it I've read psychologically is you are to basically re- remove them from, you know, everybody else, mm-hmm. let them have their, mm-hmm. have their time mm-hmm. to freak out. Mm-hmm. And then you say, once you're ready to come back mm-hmm. and you know what you did wrong, mm-hmm. we're going to, we'll be fine. Yeah. So much of it is, is, is the attention you put on it. You know, yeah. like if, if you give it a lot, even though it could be negative screaming at them, telling them to stop attention, that's attention, you know, and that is, that's a huge thing for, for parents to learn is that you give attention to the things you want to happen more. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, as you, as you walk through a, a target on a Saturday, oh, yeah. you'll see everybody not knowing that no. information. No, I know. I know it is. It's, it, it's crazy. Um, Yeah. And everybody's got their situation. I think a lot of it, too, though, is that it's that cycle of of just what you knew growing up. And if your parents acted away, you could have all the intentions of not acting like that. But unless you're taught the skills how to not, you just that's just what happens is you kind of revert back to what you know. And that's I see a lot of that is just, you, you know, so it's kind of just that that culture of, of poverty I guess kind of works its way into there and I mean that's a whole another big thing but just that culture of how you learn and what you grew up with and that's what you do and until something breaks that that's all you know um but yeah it's just a vicious Mm -hmm. cycle Mm -hmm. but maybe it's maybe the answer is just instilling the mindset that uh, maybe ask yourself what if it was different Mm -hmm. because I know teachers often fall into this trap I've fallen into it when there's new ideas when it comes to grading mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. I remember like a few years ago, I found that, or we, we read an article mm-hmm. at, at school here about getting rid of the zero mm-hmm. or grading mm-hmm. on a different scale. Mm-hmm. And immediately my gut reaction is, no, mm-hmm. that's stupid. Yep. It's a hundred point scale. Mm-hmm. I would, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. But then as I developed a mindset of maybe that's not like, maybe don't, Maybe think about things a little more. And as I thought about it, it didn't make as much sense to me mm-hmm. that there was this zero to 60 yeah. that was an F and the tiny bit on top mm-hmm. was the passing mm-hmm. stuff. So I changed to a four-point grading scale yeah. that was more balanced and made more sense. Mm-hmm. And I just know that there are other people that don't get to that mindset part where they question or um, maybe have the epiphany that maybe not everything that was taught to me was mm-hmm. done the right way mm-hmm. or yeah. what if it was done differently. And I always wonder that too with, with the kids that are, you know, they, they break out and they, they're not the, what their parents were like, what, what is it about that? Like, I almost feel like you should do a study on, on those, those kids that turn out differently than their parents were like, what did they do? Is that, is it a choice and they're just bound and determined? Because, I mean, you hear about kids here who just have horrendous lives growing up. But they come to school every day, they get great grades, they get a scholarship, and then they're out. How did they, how did they predict that? You know, or they didn't, but how did, they, how did that happen versus the kid that could grow up in a horrendous environment and they 
struggle to get into school. They don't perform. They're going to drop. Like, what's that's I'd love to know. What's the determining factor? Because yeah. mm-hmm. how do they realize that's even yeah. the path out? I think some of it has to do with your academic ability. If you if you are a academically not gifted even, but capable, I think your your chances go up. I think you know it's if school's easier for you, your chances go up. Um, maybe it's maybe maybe it maybe the internet has something to do with it too. Yeah. Because I feel like in this day and age, you can find people you know, on a YouTube channel mm-hmm. or on a podcast that do the things or teach you the things that maybe yeah. your parents should have or should mm-hmm. be teaching you. So those are like the, so those are the teachers that are giving you those bits of wisdom mm-hmm. that you're missing mm-hmm. from your mm-hmm. parents. Maybe that has something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, it very well could. That's what I'd like to think. Yeah. Um, so on that on that note or on that topic, mm-hmm. what, what do you enjoy? You enjoy, do you enjoy your job? I love it. Yeah. I do. And do you have, but do you have days that mm-hmm. are more difficult than others? Oh yeah, I do. And, um, I feel defeated because, you know, if, if you work on something for so long and you're not seeing the results, you feel defeated. Um, I think that there is, not to sound right I don't know what the word is but like to you know feel bad but like you put in so much and sometimes you get I think you have to go into this field not expecting anything back because people that you that I work with don't have a lot to give back you know what I mean but I think sometimes you no matter what if you're human you need something back you know even if it's a thanks or just an acknowledgement I think that sometimes when you give, 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 and you're not getting anything back, that can take a toll on you. But then it's just like you you have to kind of regroup and be like, you didn't go into this for that, you know, because you went into this because you went into it for your reasons and then just build yourself back up. Um, I think that you can easily fall into a trap of like kind of like hopelessness, you know, like, oh, no matter what I do, I only have them for six hours and they go home and they have, you know, triple the amount of time to just go into that yucky environment you know so I think um I think those are the things that get me down or you know negative parent interaction sometimes it's very hard um I think and I think the things that I just when you can't shut your mind off that's hard but that's for anybody um I think about kids a lot like when they go home if they're talking about how things are going on at home you worry about them um but you just have to balance that and um, my wife is very good at reminding me, like, you're going to be a better teacher tomorrow if you let today go. And I think that's good for any teacher um, or any person working in the human service field is, like, you got to let it go because that's how you keep going. And that's what the kids need. They need that constant, everyday, as much as you can, optimistic, smiling face, you know? Right. Um, so, it, no, go ahead. Or just because if, if you don't, then then you're just, like, kind of every other person, you know? That, that they've kind of, I don't want to say let, has let them down, but like you had, like they kind of, they look at you as, for me at least, my thought is I'm that easy person in their life. I'm predictable. I'm in a good mood and they don't have to, they don't have to try to please me, you know? Cause right. Cause if, if you're not, they're just going to think, well, here's another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same old adult. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned your wife. Yep. She must be a source of inspiration for you. Mm-hmm. What, what, what else do you draw on to keep coming back or, you know, put that smile back on or forget mm-hmm. that day? Mm-hmm. I think of what I get to go home to which is a very, you know, I think very healthy, happy environment. Um, I think that um, I, I had, there's self-care that you have to do. I think any, like I said, anybody working in the human service field, they have to take care of themselves because otherwise, what are they doing? And so for me, it's working out and it's hanging out with the people, you know, that I want to be around. Um, and I think that those are kind of the things and just always making sure that I realize why I'm doing what I'm doing. You had such a great life and now it's your turn to give back. And that I think, and, and kids are freaking hilarious. Like they're so funny. And I, if you give them a chance to be funny, like it makes your job that much more fun. Like I have the freedom of having random conversations and, um, just listening to stories and listening what, to what they had to say a lot more than sometimes mainstream teachers do because they have that content to get through. Now I have content that I work on, but it's, there's the freedom of that discussion and they're, they're hilarious. And so I, I look forward to coming to that. And I never, ever know what my day is going to bring. Some days like today was just a normal day. Chill, everything was fine. Now tomorrow could be crazy. And that, I love that unpredictableness. Um, I could probably use more structure sometimes, but I love not knowing what my day is going to bring. Um, and that's kind of exciting. Yeah. No. (laughs) So if your day is kind of unpredictable, Mm -hmm. are there any things that you've created routine wise Mm -hmm. that you need that are helpful or habits that you, um, have made a part of your daily routine that are impactful yes i mean i have i have a i have to-do lists that organize myself i you know i have to when i'm not coaching you know before i leave for the day i have to have things organized i have to know what i'm going to do granted i'll take some things home to finish up but like i have to have an idea of what i'm going to do um i have to have followed up with the things so i think that just even if my day is in a disarray i have to like pull it back together by the end of the day and it's easier when I'm not coaching because when you coach it's just like well gotta go to practice you know and but then I just I do that once I you know I'm home and kind of regroup so I think just even though your day can be crazy and you can't you know you look at your desk and it's wild like just bringing yourself back and okay there's what I need to do here's what happened um I think, and then making sure that I just try to shut down. Like I, I have a time frame. Like after nine o'clock, I'm done. I can't, I can't I'm not going to do any more work because I'm just done, you know, and I have to give myself at least that hour or two just to wind down and be at home. I try not to bring home work a lot because um, I feel like that's just your time. You have to, you have to be there. Um, but sometimes you just have to get things done. Right. I, I'm thinking of, how many times I've failed at that mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. tell myself, no, nope, mm-hmm. you don't need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. But then there you are yeah. at 1030. Yeah, I know. And, I, and I can't, and that's me not having hundreds of papers to correct or projects to assess. I mean, I, so I, I think that that's got to take a lot from, of just self-discipline because you will wear yourself out, you know, and you have to have that time to just be, I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like it's part of the job, so you have to allow time for it, but you also have to realize, okay, I'm not just going to have that be it, because then that's when you burn out, 
I think. Yeah. And I think that the you know teaching field there is a burnout rate. Um, I think I'd be more likely to be burnt out from that kind of stuff than kids, you know. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. It, I don't. I mean, unless maybe middle school kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I I don't know. I get. I, they're the fun part. That's kind of what I think. They're that. They're the challenge. Like. I don't know. Maybe it, well, maybe it's because when I taught middle school, I was a younger teacher, and mm-hmm. I tried to apply maybe a high school expectation yeah. of a classroom. Yeah, and you know, you're that's so, a weird age, though. And you're so worried about, at least when you're first starting, I was worried about what administrators mm-hmm. thought of my mm-hmm. teaching ability or what other teachers thought of my teaching ability, mm-hmm. and if things are crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like you're not in control doing and, a good yeah, job. Yeah. Um, but there is a level of craziness at that age. Like I, it is, it's a weird because elementary, it's elementary and you know that high school, it's high school, but you have the middle where like there's elementary stuff happening, but then they have emotions of kind of a grown up, and I don't know, it's a weird age. Yeah. How do you deal with that age? Any, any, any thoughts? I, I think just remembering that they're like, this is. I remember I read something somewhere about the amount of what, like, what they're learning, like, from age, I don't know, 11 to 15. Like, that is, I don't know, again, going back to studies, like you said, that, that is such a crucial time of learning in their life that it's like, and I think if you just remember that and know all of the input that they're receiving, plus the maturity level in which they're receiving it at, and, like, their hormones are, I, I just, I feel like if you have that idea behind everything you do, I think it kind of helps balance you of like, okay, I'm going to teach them this, but I also don't know how they're going to react because they're very immature. It, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a beast. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I don't think I've, and I don't think they've solved that problem. No. I'm sure there's a few teachers out there that they get it. do it right yeah. and they mm-hmm. keep things moving and active mm-hmm. and they're like, Climbing trees and mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I. I just enjoy the conversation level at a high school level. You know, there's so much more processing with verbal communication. It just, I think, it makes it so much easier at this level. No, I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anything that you'd like to change about just the world of education, what, what would it be? I think that as a teacher, you're kind of. I remember just growing up, teachers were content. They were they deliver content, and that's what a teacher was. If you had one you really liked, there was that personal thing, but I just feel like school was school. School's not just school anymore. Like, there's so many more parts to being a teacher now, and um, I think that I wish that we could receive... There's so much more that I think people are willing to do and that you have this huge chunk of time with these kids and there's so many more things to deal with now. I, I don't know, your philosophy can be why it can be why, but I just feel like kids are coming with so much more stuff now. And I think that we have this opportunity six to seven hours a day to be teaching these kids how to be great people. And I just wish that, I think the content is very important but I also feel like there's so much more that these kids need to be taught because for whatever reason they're not being yeah. taught it at home. Whether it's your ideas about, you know, both parents working, whether it's lack of parenting, whatever it is, social media, whatever, 
the kids need more. I don't know why. I just think they do need more. Um, and I just wish that we could that could be recognized and we could be given the the resources to do that. Well, don't you don't you think that maybe kids are developing quicker just because their access to information is mm-hmm. so much easier? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we were sitting at home looking at encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which is the internet which is what the internet is times mm-hmm. a million. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just being exposed to so much more and they're, they are being presented with bigger things at a younger age and maybe parents aren't equipped to deal with it. Parents aren't around to deal with it, but I just feel like we have these huge opportunities at this age. Yeah. I'm thinking radically. What if you had the same, or let's say a, um, general education teacher had the same group of kids for four mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. It would, I, wouldn't that i mean then you could you could get to know them enough and be comfortable enough to teach them mm-hmm. things that maybe would be uncomfortable coming mm-hmm. from a teacher you had for mm-hmm. a quarter mm-hmm. you know you could teach them you know sexual education yeah, yeah. which you know can be taboo Absolutely, sometimes yeah. but you could or just or more opportunity to pair up with maybe someone else that is very comfortable doing that you know like if, if you're seeing these issues in your classes, why don't you call somebody in that could help you facilitate those conversations? And, and us being able to, to do that, um, I think that would be very helpful. I think we have so many, we have a lot of resources and we have, we do. I mean, the fact that this school has two therapists that come here, you know, now once a week and we're working towards having them twice a week for kids to see a therapist in school is incredible. I mean, you don't have to worry about transportation. You don't have to worry about parents refusing. I mean, obviously they have permission to be doing it and parents sign off on all that. But, like, just the fact that the kids during their day, they can go and talk to that person. You know, and having the drug and alcohol counselor here, all of those things are great. But that's, like, you know, one day a week. And, or, you know, I don't know. I There are lots of resources, but I still think that, that we have an opportunity to do more with these kids and there's a lot of kids missed yeah i mean i was just thinking what if what if every kid mm-hmm. got to see a therapist mm-hmm. even just to check in and evaluate do you need more than just this you know i i just i don't know i think even myself growing up i probably could have benefited from having someone like that i mean yeah as a kid i'm thinking mm-hmm. of you know maybe you're not comfortable or approaching your parents about mm-hmm. certain topics mm-hmm. or Maybe you think they'll react in a yep. certain way. So yep. you bring that to uh, a therapist. A professional or a, adult. Yeah. yeah and they give you mm-hmm. a solid piece of advice. Mm-hmm. And you, because you're a kid, mm-hmm. and it comes from an adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have been, if it, if an adult had told me, why don't you pursue the things that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Don't, mm-hmm. Why, why are you doing this? Right. Because your friends are doing right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you do this? You like this. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. I would have probably listened to that right. at all, yeah. but that wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's, pl- there's if I, if that happened to me, there must be, oh, yeah. you know, me times a million mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. And you think what all the kids like struggling with anxiety. I mean, it's, in, it's insane the amount of kids that struggle with anxiety on all, all levels, you know, m- you know, very minute to severe and, um, you know, just being able to run groups. Of, of kids meeting other kids that have the same struggles. I, there's just, yeah, I think those are the kind of things that I would love to see. Um, but that's just an awareness of 
of mental health, you know, and I think that it's getting way better than it ever used to be. Um, but I just, that's, that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I'd like to see change is just, or continue, is just the awareness of mental health and how it affects not just students in special education, all across the board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yep. That would be amazing. I know mm-hmm. I've watched something on the country of Argentina recently, mm-hmm. and they have the most, like, psychiatrists per capita mm-hmm. or something, and, and like, and everybody has a therapist. Everybody goes to therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just the norm. That's, that's the, that's the norm that that country established. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds like an interesting addition that I probably would have never thought of mm-hmm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. but wow, how cool and helpful mm-hmm. that would be. But uh, yeah, and then, and that just has to get, I mean, that's just changing a stigma, you know, and I think that that, that's kind of a, I think it's definitely getting better. Um, but I still, I think that's just a, a culture change and it's, it is, it's starting to, I believe, but, and, and but I think kids, we're, they're just at such a vulnerable age right now in high school. And, and that's where I think pumping them with all the resources and pumping them with as much of that stuff now just allows them to, to be that much more successful. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I was made aware of some of these, you know, staples of psychological Mm -hmm. development Mm -hmm. like i'll watch a lecture on from a psychology professor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's tell my 16 year old self that Mm -hmm. and you know i would have laughed at him in the face right right there's a lot of crap you just go through and you learn from going through it but if you have an opportunity to get some help while you're going through it why not yeah get some solid information Mm -hmm. put your way Mm -hmm. it's helpful yeah i try to i really try i'm not i'm nothing near an expert but when i have that i have a class of avid students that's mm-hmm. my opportunity to kind of mm-hmm. try to help them develop mm-hmm. i don't know if it's working or not but you know what i think one of my biggest things is just like being a functioning and positive and and sounds bad but male role model for kids is huge that's what i see in the education field especially working in special education and things like that there's just a lack of positive males around and i think that you having being in the position that you are it's much more powerful than i think you probably maybe even give it credit for being and so anytime you can reach out and just you know I don't know, you, I don't, like you just pick one or two kids a quarter. I'm going to really kind of just reach out to these kids. It's amazing because there's just, there's a lack of, of positive role models, especially male role models for kids. Yeah, I don't, I have a hard time understanding that a person would have a child and not feel this great mm-hmm. sense of responsibility mm-hmm. to do everything you possibly mm-hmm. can to make sure that child grows up to mm-hmm. be a successful Mm -hmm. and fully functioning and fully complete person. Mm -hmm. But there's this, you know, (laughs) I'm reminded every day when Mm -hmm. I look at news headlines of, Mm -hmm. or I mean, even in the classroom of people that just don't have that. Mm -hmm. Their father abandoned Mm -hmm. them or their father does something terrible to them. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, Mm -hmm. I don't understand it because from that moment I had a son, Mm -hmm. I just felt the need to, be the best possible role model and mm-hmm. raise them the best possible mm-hmm. way I could. I don't yeah. know. It's maybe I don't know what the deal is with those other guys. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's a lack of intention. I don't. A lot of time, I think that they're they're not intending to have a kid. 
you know, or it wasn't what they wanted. And it goes for both both parents, you know. Um, and I think that sometimes it's a lack of intention, it's a lack of resources and stress and so many other things. Like for us, we are fortunate that we have stable jobs, we have stable homes, so that all of those others, granted there are stressors, but a lot of those stressors we don't have to focus on. So we get to focus on the kids, you know, and our kids. And, and I think that so many of those other things that they don't have established before they have kids, those get in the way. Um, and, you know, like we talked about before, a lack of ability of what to do or how to do it. Yeah, there's no knowledge out yeah. there. to. Yeah. Or there is knowledge out there, but there's no yeah. one to impart the right. knowledge mm-hmm. onto yeah. them. Yep. So that's that's my thing is that, you know, anytime, anytime you can, can reach out to a kid, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be, like, lame about it, but it may, I mean, working <laughs> with, like, you and, and, and Deering and, and Keating, like, the, like, kids really, I don't want to say idolize because that sounds cheesy, but, like, they look up so much to especially younger male teachers. It's amazing. So boys or girls, they do. So and it's just, funny because whenever somebody, I just, whenever someone tells me, like, oh, you're the greatest, mm-hmm. I always say, I'm not that great. I just, mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe having a low opinion of myself is helpful in that regard, mm-hmm. but it's just, I don't, you'd think somebody would want to hear that, mm-hmm. but they, I don't know, most people probably don't, right? Yeah, yeah I get it. It's, it's, you, it's uncomfortable, but I think, I think if anything you take away from it, like, all right, so I, I, what I'm saying is being heard, so I'm going to keep saying it, you know, or my, the way I'm doing things is, is kind of must be doing it right, so I'm going to keep doing it. Right. You know, and, and don't think that what you're saying isn't having an impact. And just know that, like, when you feel like you might not be doing enough or whatever, or just if you have an inkling, oh, I've got an extra minute, what should I do? Go talk to somebody. Because I guarantee they're just going to be jacked up after having that one moment with you. Yeah, that's a good, that's, I was just going to try and work in this last piece mm-hmm. of advice. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what your piece of advice is, mm-hmm. is, I would think it's talk to kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, on a personal level, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing, and and they want to know about you too. You know, I mean, and and obviously you you put a limit on what you share and and the professionalism there, but like, the more you can kind of show them who you are, I think it's kind of like you said, it, you then become a person that they maybe could strive to be like because they know a little bit about you. So maybe well, I kind of want to be like him. Well, then what is it going to take to kind of be like him? Well, finishing high school, going to school, you know, things like that. How about for students? What what would What is the piece of advice you would give to them? I mean, I don't know. Students in general is a pretty large, diverse mm-hmm. group of people. Mm-hmm. But I think I always wish that I, I, I wish it, learning to be in the moment. You know, like take all of it in right now. And granted, if these are the kids that are, you know, have the ability to take it in and, and, and can be in the moment, live high school up because it goes, it, it's crazy. You know how fast it goes. And I think for kids that are struggling, just I wish that they we could figure out a way to allow school to be your safe place and just let figure out how to build a wall so that you can enjoy things while you're away from the negativity. Because I think that'll work in all aspects of their life if they can kind of just categorize things. That's what I'd love to be able to, to teach kids or allow them to figure out. Um, and that 
even no matter how poor you are, how little skill you have, if you have the determination to do things, there's so many people out there willing to help you. You know, you just have to be willing to ask for it and to follow through with things. Those would be the things I'd tell them. All right. Well, it's been fun. <laughs> yes. It's been like an hour or so. Holy buckets. So thanks for coming yeah, in. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed this. This is great. Good. Hopefully. You're, you're a natural conversationalist. At least this, whatever we just did seemed yeah, natural did. to me. And there you have it. Episode six in the books. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out to me and share your comments or ask me some questions or give me some possible things to talk about going forward, send me an email at danielevanclark at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at my website, danielevanclark.wixsite.com forward slash I am teacher. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you could do that at imteacher.podcast. And finally, if you'd like to if you'd like to support this podcast in a minimalist way, you could do so by going into iTunes and giving this podcast a solid rating along with your own little review of what you've heard so far. Be on the lookout for new episodes of I Am Teacher. I'll be talking with some students coming up, and I'm also going to drop a solo podcast for the new year, and hopefully by listening to them, you all become better people. Thank you once again for listening. I truly appreciate you, and I'm thankful that you chose to listen to this podcast, and I'd love it for you to come back and check out more of I Am Teacher.